I'm going to ask you right now if you can to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. And uh, just have that open. And we're going to kind of go through Acts chapter 3 and a little bit in Acts 4. And we're going to look at this together. I'm going to talk to you just simply about um, being commissioned tonight. And uh, the reality is, is each and every one of us, we have a commission. We have it. We're all commissioned to do something. Now, here's the thing I'll tell you. Some will say, you know, I'm not as good at certain things. And I'll tell you, that's right. Some people are talented in one area. Some people are outgoing in some areas. But everybody is commissioned, but it might be that at times you're commissioned in your area. Commissioned to do things and reach people in the where, where, uh, where you're comfortable. Sometimes stepping out of that comfort zone, but you know, everyone can find something to do and do it with all your might. Amen. Everyone can find it. And uh, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for it. And uh, I believe the Lord's going to help us tonight. Again, again keep, you, keep your Bible open to, um, to Acts chapter 3, and we're going to look at this together. Lord, I'm asking again to help us tonight. We prayed and we've asked, but I'm asking one more time to lead us and guide us. We can't do this without you. We can't do it without you, Lord. And we thank you for all you're doing, Lord. And I pray you'd help us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a few things I want us to learn tonight about this commission and who we are, what, um, what we're doing in, in, and we have some slides there, right, April? Did I get those? Okay, making sure I got them right there. Um, but but our, our goal and our, and our desire in this, go ahead and throw that title slide up there if you can. But, but I, again, I'm, I'm, I had to get her to do that because I forgot what my actual title was. <laughs> I put commission on my notes, and I realized, wait, did I do something different? So I was like, come on, April, help me out, please. But commission to reach. That happens a lot, by the way. A lot of times I'm like, I'm going to speak on this topic, commission to reach, because I forget. The, the title is the toughest thing for me. Um, I'm not always the best at the titles. Um, but but I, I'm, obviously we're doing a lot of reaching, and, I, and, I, and there's a lot going on. Um, but I, I want to help us understand oftentimes why and, and what, and then what do you do? Um, now, we're working diligently on, um, on some next steps programs that we're working to try to, try to develop and, and quickly get there. But, but what I will say to you is the first part is reaching, and sometimes we want to worry about um, how we can do certain things before we reach. And let me just tell you real fast that Jesus' model was not that way. Jesus' model was to love and to reach, oftentimes, as we find in Romans 15, helping your neighbor with no expectation in, in, in return, with nothing they can do for you. So if you're reaching to gain, or let me just say this, as a church, if we're reaching to gain, and that's our mentality, I don't believe that can be blessed. But if we reach, and that's it, I believe the Lord can bless. So let me just make sure we understand our, our mentality because tonight we cooked how many pizzas? 36 pizzas. There, we, well, they're, they're smaller, but that's a lot of pizzas. We, we cooked 36 pizzas, and I looked, and no one put a jar out for those kids to pay for them. And that's exactly how it should be, right? 
It's exactly that. We cooked 36 pizzas. Let me just say, let me just time out for a moment because I feel like we need to talk about and, and, and thank some people. I know we've said a lot of times thanks to those who come and help, and I mean that sincerely. We'll never stop thanking those who come and help. And then those are some that come and help, and then those that some that come afterwards and they make sure it's all clean and tidy and perfect for the next round because the kitchen's getting used a whole lot these days and that's really really good but there's also which I know they can't often be here because of their work schedule but Amy and Rebecca have been uh, donating some food to help with these kids so I don't want to miss anybody and everybody that's helping but I feel like it's important for us to know that we've been blessed by people who have been blessed to be able to give and in their position sometimes they're, they're they've been able to say hey Y'all can, y'all can give this, so burgers and different things like that. So it's really just amazing. The Lord has positioned people and also made available certain things for us to do what we're doing. And so I, I just want to say that it's, it's wonderful. But we're planting seed, and we're commissioned to reach people. And the, I want, the first thing I want you to get out of this, and I want you to understand, is in Acts 3 and 19, uh, Acts 3 and 19, we find um, this text. Let me see if I can get there. And, and read it to you. Do we have it there? Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And so we, we look and we find here that, that um, it's, it's a, it's a uh, the, the, the wording of this is kind of setting it up to say something that I want you to get in this first part. And the first thing I want you to get, because I want us to learn how to do this, is God is patient with the lost. But many times, in a, and I'm not talking about this church setting, I'm talking about in, a, in church settings, where we're like, I mean, get them to the altar, get them cleaned up, get them to be just like everybody, you know, and, and move it along, and next, show, show me the next. And I just want to tell you real fast, the Lord is not He's patient with the lost. Let me just say that. Let me, rather than put words in his mouth, let me tell you what he is. He's patient with the lost. He's patient with the lost. And the leaders of Israel had rejected the ministry of John the Baptist. We find that in Matthew 21, 23 through 27, but I'm going to move quickly. But the ministry of Jesus, yet God gave them another opportunity to repent and be saved. So he comes back and speaks as they had denied and, and they had also slain their own Messiah, yet... Yet, we find here that it is exampled a, a ministry of patience, and his judgment was held back. And here, here is, is this opportunity, and the Spirit now comes to deal with them. And God's people today need to understand that we will, like him, be patient with the lost. We are going to love the lost. We're going to teach the lost. We're going to reach the lost. But let me tell you real fast, as I've said often, it seems to be sometimes a theme that I want to go back to. Such were some of you. Such were some of you. The other day, Tara and I were talking, and, and she's not in here right now, so I won't embarrass her. But she was like, man, no, oh, no, it's there, Terry is, but I can talk about Eva. I'm talking about Eva. I, I've learned. I'll talk about her. She goes back and hears from you guys, and she beats me up. And I was just kidding. But, my, but we were talking the other night, and Eva is in that teenage stage where, like, she said, I just, I, I, anything I say, she doesn't want to do, and anything I say, she's, it's, I, it's the opposite. I said, babe, 
do you think you were 13, 14, and 15 one time? I said, I know your mom good enough that she's crazy, and I don't want to do anything she says to do. I'm just kidding, by the way. I didn't say that. Some of y'all are like, you're going to die tonight, bro. Uh, but no, I, but we realize and we think about, you know, our kids. And I remember my dad and mom. I remember thinking, how dare them do this? And I'm doing the same things these days. I hate to admit it in front of them right now. But I'm telling my kids the same things they told me. It kind of happens that way, right? You thank the Lord. This, the Lord answers prayer. The Lord has, <laughs> Dwayne, the Lord answers prayer. You heard a testimony just now from my father. But, but the reality is, is that thank the Lord that someone was patient with us. Now we have to make sure that we learn to be patient with them. I'm not the ultimate judge. Amen. And so we find here in this, this text where it's leading us to believe that and understand that, that we must be patient. We must take our time. We must make sure that we're not too quick. Um, I want you to look at the second part here, the second thing that I want you to get, and I, I might have uh, adjusted some of these, but number two is that, that true witness involves more than just one thing. involves the bad news of sin and guilt as well as the good news of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So let me just say, Professor, true witness involves the bad news of sin and guilt as well as the good news. So here's what I want you to know is that when we begin to teach and preach, we cannot just go with all the, all the I'm, I'm trying to make sure I say this the right way, but yes, there's life and yes, there's hope and yes, there's goodness and yes, there's all this stuff. But the reality is, is that's not the full message. The full message is there's all the good stuff, but you got to lay down the old stuff and the bad stuff. And too many, uh, too many have abandoned that principle and that thinking. And I just want you to know that we have to establish as a church that we are people that we will be patient. But the good news, the good news we want to teach and preach is there to help people realize that yes, there's a Savior, yes, there's a God that loves, yes, there's wholeness, and yes, there's peace, and yes, there's joy, and yes, there's happiness, but yes, with all that, you've also, in order to take on something, there's something I must learn that I've got to let go of. True faith in Jesus must include repentance from sin. And what is repentance? Let me just say the best way to think about it. If I do this, if I'm facing this way and I'm going this way and my life is this way and I'm operating this way and everything is going that way and I lean this way, true repentance, one way to put it, is an about face. That you know what? I've been going that way long enough and it's not done me any good yet. So I'm going to go this way and I want what this is. But one way to put it too is a mind change, a change of my mind where I say in my thinking that I've got to look at things differently. I've got to understand things differently. I've got to operate differently. I've got to maybe change the way. That's why repentance, though, let me just pause and time out in the reaching part. For those of us that have been in church a long time, 
Your thinking's not always the best either. So sometimes you got to repent of the way you think. Sometimes you got to repent of the context and the worldview you have. So let me just tell you real fast. That's why Paul said, I die daily. Because when people were turning their back on him, when no one showed up when he was locked up, when no one came and broke away the street where he was held in prison, he got sideways and caught up. He was mad at everybody. He could have been in his flesh. I can't stand you anymore. I hate you now. He probably had glimpses and, and, and uh, moments of his old past, wanting to go back to the guy that swung swords at everybody. But he realized that although my flesh would want to do that, I cannot operate with that way of thinking. I've got to die out to that way and get a right way about me. And that's why you and I must every day live a repentant life. I've got to do it. I've had to repent of some things the last year and a half. I've, got to, I've had to repent of some things before that, but I'm talking about in, in, in some of the things I've had to say, Lord, forgive me for what I've done, said, forgive me what I thought, forgive me what I plotted, and I'm just joking, I didn't plan out anything, but forgive me, Lord. Y'all can loosen up, it's just a joke. I'm, I'm not, y'all are like, whoa, it's getting serious. I've had to repent at times. Guess what? Guess what I get to do in the morning? I get to repent. I've got, I've got really one thing on my calendar every day right now. It's repentance. I've got to repent every day. If you've not repented in a long time, then you're missing it. Because in this is not just all the good, but there's a cutting away. You've got to have. There's not just all the, oh, you're going to live a glory. The reason why sometimes people don't understand it is but they're saying, you know what? I'm trying my best. It seems like I, I should be happy, but you're carrying all those things you should have died off from with you. You're carrying all the junk. You're carrying all the, 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 the things. You've been walking in, dragging all this stuff. But the Bible lets us know that I can repent and it be gone. Be gone. So true witness involves the bad news of sin and guilt as well as the good news of salvation through Christ Jesus. But you and I must know that that includes repentance. The ministry of the Spirit is to convict the lost. What does that mean Put behind bars? No, it means to reveal what is not right in you. And the problem is a terrible ego. And the more, by the way, the news paints Christianity as a terrible... Um, terrorist group people are going to say well no I can, I can live the way I want to live I can do whatever I want there should be no wrong in me the, the, the farther we go in the, the mainstream craziness we're living there will be no more repentance the, the, the way to get through the door is repentance the way to begin the process is I've got to have repentance. And how does that happen? Repentance, it comes out of a basis of my faith, knowing that he's a God that can take away all my past. And so if I don't have that, then I now am carrying all the stuff. You think that that's not a design of the enemy? To bog people down with their past and their old ways and what they've done and what they've said? No, that's the design of the enemy, to try its best to stop those that need to repent. And I've come to wake us up and tell you that we ought to repent 
every day of our lives and we also ought to teach and encourage when someone's going through something and you're, you had a friend or you're on the phone or you're whatever you ought if, especially I'm gonna tell you this if there's a conversation that is not wholesome that's not right that is not uplifting that's not that not uh, supporting the work of the Lord if it's if it's a negative you ought to say you know what when's the last time you repented when's the last time is have you it's been a while I encourage you, and I'm not saying you badger them, but I would tell you this. There's power in repentance. There's power in repentance. So I want you to get that. I want you to understand that. Do we have John 16, 7 through 11? Did I give you that text, or did I? I maybe missed it. It's okay. I'm not going to. It was just an, um, an extra that I wanted to read. But the third thing I want you to get is that oftentimes we think about the masses, but we reach the masses by first reaching individuals. We're talking about being commissioned. We're talking about being commissioned to reach. Let me tell you real fast. Every rainstorm, every flood starts with one drop. There's always one drop. There's one first drop. And that water connects with something else, connects with something else. And the power of that, we had three days of rain the other day power of that joined together coming together it starts with one let me tell you real fast that you and I must know that we cannot reach the masses our goal is not to reach the masses our goal is to reach every individual reach and I'm telling you reach every individual with the good news with a charge and a, a compelling message of repentance to help us understand that I've got to pick myself up out of what I've been living in and I've got to change my ways and also to let them know that, you know what, we still struggle too. I go through things too. I face things too. I have a bad attitude often too. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. I'm flesh just like your flesh. But I've got a good, good book that teaches me that I can rise above it. I can rise above it. And so Peter and John, one, the, the, the beggar we find in this text, and transformed this his life was transformed and it it, it led to the conversion of two thousand people the servant that we find here that that the, the servant of god who has no time for for this this personal work the servant that uh or the the the, the churchgoer let's say it that way um the the saint that has no time for personal work has no time to reach an individual and have a conversation with somebody you'll find that you're lacking and you're missing in the fulfillment. There's many opportunities for you and I to love and to reach people. But here's the question I would have for you. What is the kingdom missing out on when we, when we push away any opportunity that we might have to reach somebody and to love somebody? What's the, what's the kingdom missing out on and what could possibly be missed out on? And so we must understand that, that um, throughout the Gospels, we find that Jesus had many, many moments and times with individuals. We find the apostles, like Jesus, had moments with individuals. And you and I ought to have relationships. We ought to have time with individuals where we encourage them and we love them. Is this making sense tonight? I'm going to move, move on to the next point here is the best defense of truth is a changed life. 
the best defense of truth is a changed life. Let me, I hope this is okay, and he's not here to uh, say it's not okay, and I've told this story. When I was in Northwest Arkansas, I was selling some cars for a short time. Terry Winningham's brother was running a dealership up there, and he called me and said, hey, if you just want to, he knew I'd, I'd gone to the auction at times and bought and sold, and he said, if you want to just sell to any family members, I'll give you them the, the type of deal that, you know, they used to get up in Northwest Arkansas. There was a guy that used to sell cars. It was a great friend. His name was Buddy Wright. My dad used him for years. I bought my first car from him. We'd call him and say, hey, what do you have? He'd say, I've got that. And Buddy's whole thing was, I'll give you the, the best price I can give you. So we would, we would you know, drive up there, and, and he, Rich bought his old Toyota from him. Mark bought a few cars when he was younger and whatever. So I, I, I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll be that. I'll just be kind of the liaison for anybody that needs to buy a car and get that great deal. And so it was pretty much invoice pricing. And so I went and started working with him. And, and Nick Mahaney, our, one of our favorite evangelists, uh, came up. And Nick, some of you have heard his testimony. Um, but just to give you a quick understanding, Nick is a guy that um, had many, many, um, he was busted for drugs many times. He had a, a horrible past. He was strung out for most of his life. Um, he has a, a, a testimony that's amazing, but his, 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 his past is harsh. He's the type of guy that you'd have walked by in a gas station and you'd gone the other way because you didn't want to be near him. You didn't know what was about to happen. It was a rough, rough life. Nick had a rough life going on. And he came and bought a truck for me. And um, I said, hey, listen, we're going to get this paperwork done real quick because he didn't have much time. I said, we'll get it done. And then you're going to go in, and, and Miss Lisa Everhart is going to take care of the other part of this. And he said, well, what, what name did you say? I said, her name's Lisa Everhart. He said, you say Lisa Everhart? I said, yeah. He said, oh, no, this isn't good. I said, why? He said, well, I knew her in a previous life. And you said, okay, you can laugh, because it was very, very awkward in that moment. <clears throat> Nick kind of went, he said, oh, my goodness. He said, okay. And I said, well, and he said, well, I just, I just she, she ran with the, our, kind of our group. And, you know, Lisa's life had changed, but she hadn't seen Nick in 25 years. Well, Nick walks in that room, and she said, Nick, it's so good to see you. And I, I, I said, well, hey, I'm, I'll t let you guys get taken care of. And I walked out. When, when Nick walked out, Nick's face was red. His eyes were red. She walked out. She was weeping. He walked over to make sure he had, I said, hey, I'll be right there. And she looked at me and she said, Paul, that's not Nick Mahaney. I said, yes, it is. She said, no, it's not. The Nick Mahaney I knew couldn't have a coherent sentence. He was always strung out on drugs. The Nick Mahaney I knew had a vile language. The Nick Mahaney I knew had this and that and all these things. She said, whatever happened to him? And I said, well, Lisa, and we had a kind of a little thing happen in the dealership where people were asking me questions. I said, I've been telling you about our church. I've been telling you about the Holy Ghost. And I said, here's what happened to Nick. Nick went back to the altar and got his life changed and she was so moved that for the next few months she'd come to me and she'd say I still can't believe that let me just tell you our greatest defense is a changed life a life that has gone from this 
that's been picked up and gone to that. A life that says, you know what, I was all these things, but now I've repented. I'm no longer that person. This is who I am now. There's nothing, nothing, nothing that can better defend the Word of God than somebody who was in a mess, but now they've been lifted up. Nick, let me just finish that story for you. When Nick got back in church, got his life straight, was preaching, he still had counts that he was supposed to go to prison for. He still had seven counts that were gonna take him to the pen, but he was able to go before a judge. A judge saw the, the, the change. A judge was able to see his life was changed. The judge looked and the attorney that was the prosecutor said, let me just tell you real fast, this is not the same man. They dropped all charges and no longer is he dealing drugs and dealing those things now. Nick is going all over the country, preaching the gospel, seeing lives change, doing a great work for the Lord. There's nothing better and no greater defense to what you believe and I believe in this word of God than a changed life. Someone who had no chance but now has every opportunity according to the word. I thank God for that. Let me tell you right now, you and I must understand this. The healed beggar, the healed beggar we find was exhibit A in Peter's defense of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In, the, in this evangelistic ministry, this, this, this moment of reaching out and loving somebody, taking a moment and speaking to somebody, change the, 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 the whole look of all that were around and it was able to encourage them to know that the message they have is a message of truth. Amen. There's an old Methodist preacher which... Let me just tell you real fast, where we come from and where the Methodists come from, we stem from a very similar path in church history. We stem from a very similar path. Over time, things were adopted and things were changed. Let me just tell you real fast, just in case you don't know, doctrine does matter. It does matter. Let me tell you real fast, what the book says does matter. Uh, that's, it's very important that we understand that the book truly matters it, it covers it because it matters but but this this and i'm not speaking bad about anybody don't me don't, don't misunderstand me please but this old methodist preacher samuel chadwich uh he would travel kind of like john wesley in that time and preach all over john wesley would talk about in his in his uh journal he would talk about you know went out uh preached to 10 people got ran out went out preached again uh, preached to um you know, 14 people, they let the bulls out on me and ran the last pasture. And then he, he has in his journal like a, a series of seven or eight times. And then the last one, he says, went out to the field and 10,000 people showed up. You know, it's pretty cool, just the old journal that he had. But Chad, which was a, a, a minister like that in that time, preaching the gospel as best he knew. But one thing that he did that he would, he would do everywhere he went, and it was noted in his ministry, is everywhere he would go, he would pray for a Lazarus to show up. Everywhere he went, he would pray, God, I'm asking today, give me a Lazarus. And I'm telling you, I might be taking this. When I read this, I thought, how inspiring. Because what he was saying was, I want somebody so tied into the community with so much, for lack of a better word, clout and influence that when they are converted and when their life is changed that everyone looks and says my goodness it must be real 
And everywhere he went, he prayed, Lord, in this group of five, let there be a Lazarus. In this group of 500, let there be a Lazarus. In this group of, I, want, I need you to provide me a Lazarus. Why? Because in order to be effective, the Lord desires to always use people of influence. It's not always the most talented, nor is it the best. Look at Moses. Moses couldn't put a sentence together, but the Lord looked and saw influence. And that's still what he desires to do. If you have influence, and we've talked talked about this often, but if you have influence, the Lord desires to use you to be a great, great influence. These influencers aren't a new thing. Social media doesn't have the market on influencers. The Bible, the Lord has the market on influencers. He took a pa- the, the, He took Saul, made him Paul, had a man with a big name that had a matinee above his head, stay away. But he took that man, took him to nothing, raised him up to become something, and everywhere he went, they said, look at the influence. Look at the word of the Lord. Look what happened in him. They took David. David walked into the situation with influence. We can go on and on and on. The Lord desires to use influence. And so Chadwick would pray, give me a Lazarus. Before our service, we had a Lazarus standing on the steps of our church. I've been praying, God, give me that Lazarus. Give me a Lazarus, Lord. You ought to pray the same thing. The one that you think is never, ever, ever, ever going to turn from any ways. The one that you think is never, ever going to lift their hands and say, God, help me. The one that you think is so far, so far, so far. I'm telling you, we ought to, we ought to enlarge our faith. And we ought to speak over some things and say, God, I'm asking you to help me. Give me a Lazarus. Give me a Lazarus. I'm praying, I don't want to pick on you, Dwayne, but I'm praying that God, give me a Lazarus out of the high school. Give me a young man that seems, I was in there the other day, and, and I was waiting to speak to FCA, and, and uh, I was at the wrong school, I was supposed to be at Goes, I thought it was the high school, so I had a little moment. But while I was there, the kid came in, and the, the, the lady in the office said, what's wrong with you? And he said, I'm suspended. She said, suspended. And he said, yes, ma'am, I've got to call my mom, go home. And and uh, he thought, what what in the world? I was thinking, how this happened? Well, then another kid came in, and he said, what happened? He said, I was suspended. And they started kind of like speaking quietly, and there was a little conversation there. And you could tell that maybe for the wrong reasons, this kid was an influencer. This kid had some influence about them. And I won't lie to you. I, in that moment right there, I sat in that, that office, and I didn't make a big deal. I didn't say, well, everybody bow your heads right now. Stop what you're doing. I didn't do that. But as I sat there, I thought, Lord, touch that young man. Help him right now. Whatever it is he needs. And I, I, I realize now I should pray something different. I should, I should pray, God, give us that young man. Why? Not because we need him, because he needs him. He needs the Word of God in his life. And in this high school we've got right down here, in our junior high, let me tell you real fast, we don't have time to get caught up in all of our little ways and all of our little things and the petty things that really, truly, truly don't matter in the, in the grand scheme of things. We don't have time. What we must do is say, God, help us win. Help us love. Help us teach them and bring them to repentance. And help us, Lord, to do all we can to reach each and every young Lazarus, every, every grown, mature Lazarus, I pray. So we need to oftentimes just stop and pray that. Let me tell you the next point that I want you to get. Point five is that whatever God blesses, here's what I want you to see. Satan shows up to oppose. 
It's always been the case. Always been the case. And here's what's amazing. It'll never stop. You can start in the garden. The Lord blessed the garden. Who showed up? I know we're in the walls of a church, but guess what? Got real tense for a moment, but there's, it's at work. It's at work. It's biblical. It shows up. Uh, Acts 4, 1 through 21. I'm going to read some of this quickly. I might read all of it. We've got a few minutes. I'll be quick. I know we have. Here's the reality. I'm up against it because we have like 40 kids that have to get home back there. So I, I, I always have to be very, very careful. But now, as they spoke to the people, the priests, and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came, up, uh, came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they, might, they taught the people and preached in Jesus uh, the resurrection from um, the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of them came to be about 5,000. It came to pass on the next day the, uh, that their rulers, elders, scribes, as well as uh, Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as uh, were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. It's got to start with you being filled with the Holy Spirit, by the way. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, then you're not ready. If you're not filled with it, then you gotta, you got to make sure you get filled with it. you got to go get filled up. You can't deal with these things without being full. I've got to be full. I've got to find a place to get full. And so he says, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He said unto them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means uh, he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you hold this is the stone which was rejected by you builders which is ha- which has become the chief cornerstone nor is there salvation in any other he says it for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus let me tell you real fast and I'll stop there for a moment that you've got to get full of the Holy Ghost in order to show that you've been with him the struggle is is when you start trying to reach and you're commissioned to reach but you're not full of the Holy Ghost then it's just religion it's just your way it's just the name of the church sign it's just your your if I can say it this way your legalistic views but when you get full of the Holy Ghost and you're so inspired by the Word of God when you speak there's something where they say you know what this is not just their way and it's just not their pamphlet but they have been moved by the Holy Ghost they've been with Jesus they've been with him we stopped quickly. I'm, I'm hurry, but we stopped quickly today. Uh, we, we, we 
on our way, we stopped by the lodge for a moment to take a look at it, and we saw they had a state park convention going out there, and we decided, I want to know what was going on, to be honest with you. I saw Milwaukee and Steel and all these brands, and I thought, if they're giving stuff away, I can be a park ranger for a minute. So I walked out there, and they weren't giving anything away, by the way. But I talked to a guy at Steel, and that guy began to talk about his product. He began to tell why Steel was the best. He began to tell why, why they believed in it. He began to tell why he traveled talking about it. And I thought, you know what? I can tell he's been with Steel for a while. The reason why some of us haven't been talking about it is because you've been at church, but you haven't been with Jesus. We better stop for a moment and make sure we're walking with Jesus. Make sure I'm walking with him. I ought to be inspired to speak to somebody. But let me tell you right now, every time the Lord starts blessing, Satan jumps up and walks into the room, looks around trying to figure out what he can dismantle, what he can take down, who he can attack, who he can, who he can speak to, who can, he can inspire to be a messenger on his part. I'll move quickly from that. The name of Jesus, the last point I want you to get, still has power. As you're commissioned to reach, I want you to get something real fast. We don't just read this inspired word and think it was just for them. These were people with hangups, with problems, with worries, with doubts, with fears, with issues, with emotional needs. These were all people like you and I that were operating under the unction of the Holy Ghost, but oftentimes not even truly aware fully. They were being converted and sent to the streets to preach the message. They were quickly moving. Going, they were coming off a fishing boat saying, now you're going to go preach. Okay, what do I do? Just preach. What do I say? Preach Jesus, him crucified. And they'd go out and preach Jesus and crucified. They'd figure it out. They'd go on they'd do it. They didn't know how to say it. They didn't know how to talk. They didn't know how to have a conversation. But they were inspired. Then they got, they started realizing, I've got to spend time. I've got to pray. I've got to repent. I've got to get deep. And then they watched Jesus. Guess what? As they saw him, they began to talk about it. I saw him with a young one. I saw him speaking to the people here. I, that's all they began to do. They, began to, they weren't preaching sermons. They were preaching Jesus. Well, I saw him talk to this one. I saw him with a woman at the well. I saw him when Mary and Martha came and I saw him there some of us don't know what to say that what I would tell you is spend time with Jesus and all you got to do is tell what happened when you were with him talk about it when you had what happened tell how you felt tell what you experienced tell where you came from that's all they did they preached the message of their experience that's what they did they didn't give titles to the person in the back I'm not tearing down anything here, but I want you to get this. They just preached their experiences with Jesus. They preached what they knew to preach. And what I want to tell you is the name, the power, and the authority was not just for then. It's for us now. It's for us now. And you at times maybe feel like, ah, oh, they... I'm not seeing healings in my life. I pray for things, and I'm not seeing that change and this change. And you think, well, those are big things, and I'm just operating in small things. And I'm hurrying to a close right now. But let me tell you right now, the small things matter. What you see as a small thing, what right now is happening, and I'm not trying to draw attention to it, but what my brother is doing in the back is no small thing right now with this 
our young friend. It's no small thing. It's not a small thing. This is a big thing in the kingdom. It's a big thing. It's an extravagant thing in the kingdom. You know what it's like? It's Jesus-like. Suffer. Suffer the little children that come unto me. The power and the authority is still for us today. And so let me tell you on this last little point I want to make on this lesson tonight. Is don't forsake the name during the commission. Don't get caught up in certain ways or methods. We're going to try our best to help. And we're going to try our best to lead. We're going to try our best to example. We're going to try our best to teach. We're going to try our best to do all the stuff we need to do. There's got to be a power that comes with the name. When you walk into a situation, you ought to take a minute and say, Lord, I'm asking in Jesus' name. I'm asking you to give me the words, give me the help, give me the understanding. God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, I, I bind anything that might keep this person, Lord, from seeing the word of God clearly. I take authority over it. I pray that you'd help us, God. God, I'm, I'm asking you right now to open every mind. I pray in Jesus' name to open every mind. And God, I pray, Lord, any spiritual attachments that might be here and anything that might have walked into this room, Lord, that's clung on, any, any, any spirit that is not of you, God, I bind it in Jesus' name, Lord. I take authority in the name of Jesus over everything that's not of you, that's not of life and hope and goodness and joy. God, I pray right now, let goodness, joy, and life be evident in this place. Let it come into this house. God, I pray, Lord, let your spirit do a work, God. And I pray, Lord, you equip us. Help us, Lord, to win. Help us to love. God, I help us. I pray you help us to example repentant lives. I pray you help us, Lord, to, to be able to walk people through understanding what it is to begin that first step that we understand is a part of salvation. I pray it and I ask it in Jesus' name. God, I take authority over everything that might be trying to distract us, God. And I pray that you lead and I pray you guide. And I'm asking you help us to be more like you, Lord. Help us to be patient, loving, and kind, God. In Jesus' name. Would you just say in Jesus' name? Amen. Would you stand to your feet right now?